0: You're listening to the Banner Church Podcast, recorded in Scottsdale, Arizona. Thank you so much for listening. For more information, visit us online at thebannerchurch.com. Amen. Amen. Is the Lord good? Let's give him praise. Would you find your seat this morning? I'm just going to invite you. We're just going to go straight into it this morning. I'm going to invite you to take your seat because I want to preach scripture this morning to you. And uh, I'm excited, I'm excited about that. And I think it goes on to what our worship team has been, has been sharing, talking about the goodness of God. And I'm believing that God wants to speak something, so I'm just going to jump right into it. Good? If you brought your Bibles, thank you, brother. If you brought your Bibles, would you open up to John chapter 5? If not, uh, the words will be on the screen here. Um, but open your Bibles to John chapter 5. We're going to read verses 1 through 17. Uh, together. And so if you brought them, if not, open up the Bible app. Uh, You still have time to download the Bible app. We won't get through all of it. So Uh, open your your Bibles with me. I'm going to read to you this morning. It says this, verse 1, and after this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool in Aramaic called Bethesda, which has five roofed colonnades. In these lay a multitude of invalids, blind, lame, and paralyzed. One man was there who had been an invalid for 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? The sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus said to him, get up, take your bed and walk. And at once the man was healed and he took up his bed and walked. Now that day was the Sabbath, so the Jews said to the man who had been healed, it's the Sabbath, and it's not lawful for you to take up your bed. But he answered them, the man who healed me, that man said to me, take up your bed and walk. They asked him, who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? Amen. The Lord is calling, are you going to answer? (laughs) Now the man who had been healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn as there was a crowd in the place. Afterward, Jesus found him in the temple and said to them, see, you are well, sin no more that nothing worse may happen to you. The man went away and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had healed him, and this was why the Jews were persecuting him, because he was doing these things, aka miracles, on the Sabbath. But Jesus answered them, my father is working until now, and I am working. Something amazing just happened there, and I hope you're following with me. If you get too warm, point at Gianna. She'll get up and she'll turn on the AC units and we'll cool it down, all that good stuff. But something amazing happened here, and I want to describe it to you because I I believe the same Jesus then, same Jesus now, same Jesus forever. Jesus is the same, right? And and I believe that he's doing the same thing and has been doing encouraging things. And if you're here uh, for the first time, then you're joining us in the middle of our This Is Jesus series. And so our This Is Jesus series has been looking at who was Jesus, fully man, fully God, and we're going through the signs in the book of John. So this is a special sign, and it happened at Bethesda, and Bethesda means house of mercy. I like that because I think... Uh, I hope the church is Bethesda, House of Mercy. People come in, they feel mercy. Uh, but I wanted to show you some pictures. I'm going to step down here. Some pictures of uh, that I have of some renderings of what this place uh, would have looked like. And these are some digital renderings. I didn't make these, so if you're really into it and you want to yell at me, tell me after. And the sermon's already over anyway. So, um... But Bethesda is divided up into basically two pools, an upper pool and a lower pool. And it said it had five colonnades and really one, two, three, four, five. That's kind of how they say they potentially divided it up. And so there was an upper pool with a dam that would feed into a lower pool. And so when you came in, you'd have to go past this pool of Bethesda. Um, and there's one more, and I'll kind of show you from another angle. Here is the Temple Mount, and there's kind of perspective for Bethesda coming in. Um, into the city. And then I'll show you another picture. Here's what it looks like now. So what you'll see here is kind of like how deep the pool is. And then at one time, there's a habit in Israel of when people would come in, they would build churches or different things on top of other holy sites. And so the Roman Empire built a basilica on top of this place. But I want to show you this because I want you to realize it's a real place. With me? It's a real place. This really happened. There was really people. And so what would happen is that sick people, go ahead and throw up that first picture again just so we can see that. Sick people would gather in this place. They would gather around these pools uh, and, and lay around basically waiting around these pools. And um, they they would wait for basically the water to be stirred up so that they could get in the water and get healed. And so originally it's used for purification. Um, if you weren't here last week, uh, go back and, li- or two weeks ago, go back and listen to the water and to wine, and I will explain how Jesus loves to use things that were for uh, rituals of purification and just use them to point to his crucifixion and his resurrection. So you can go back and check that out. But um, in scripture, it tells us that people would gather around This, waiting for it to stir up. And some of you, if you have your Bible, you might have a version that goes verse 1, John 1, John 5, 1, John 5, 2, John 5, 3, John 5, 5. You're like, who took a verse out of my Bible, right? I thought that was against the Bible. But there, there's um, sometimes in manuscripts, there's, there's annotations and notes. And so if it wasn't in like the earliest, earliest manuscripts or they're unsure, some versions being more literal will just take it out and they'll skip it and they'll make a note. Here is this thing, but, you know, we're adding it in. So the scripture says if you have a King James Bible, it might say this in John 5 verse 4. It says, for an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled or stirred up the waters. Whosoever then first after the troubling of water stepped in was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. So uh, there's debate on this, but here's this idea or this law or this idea that was present at the time is that, okay, once a year, at this time, the Jewish feast, meaning Passover, when all the people were coming into Jerusalem from all over, all the Jewish people were coming in to, uh, to celebrate here at the temple. And they're going by this place in Bethesda. They were going by this well or these pools is that all of a sudden the water would begin to stir up. And so if you were sick, you would try to uh, be near the water, laying in the porch. And then your goal was to get into the water first. And whoever got in first, they, they believed would get healed. Is everyone following with me? And so this would happen every year is that people from all over would gather around that place that I showed in the photo there, and they would say, around the, pas- around the Passover time, the Jewish feast, an angel's going to come down and stir up the water. And if they stir up the water, and if I can get in first, then I'm going to get healed. And so needless to say, a lot of people were hanging around this pool at that time of year. Because if you knew there was a chance to get healed, you'd probably go wait around by the pool, right? Like, I'm going to wait around because there might be a chance that's going to get stirred up and I'm going to get healed. And I think it's important to notice that some of these people, and a lot of these people, uh, where you saw where the temple mount was and you saw where Bethesda was, is that was really the closest they would get into the temple because they were impure. A lot of them were deemed, like, customarily impure. So they didn't have access to what was deemed to be the, the residing place of the presence of God. They didn't have access to. In to the presence of God, so they would lay around uh, this this washing area because they couldn't. They would either have to do a couple things: one, they'd have to do the steps to be purified to get in, or they'd have to wait and hope they got healed to get in. And I think even as we, as we read the scripture and begin to read the scripture, it reminds me all the time uh, of sometimes what religion can do to us in saying in order to get into the presence, even to get into the presence of God, you got to do this step and this step and this step and be this pure. And then once you're pure, then you, then you can come in. Right? Then you can get in to the presence. Then you can encounter God. you got to get healed before you can get near God. And yet what Christ came, what Jesus came to do, and and what we believe in Jesus, if you're a believer in this place, is that he turned it upside down and said, hey, let me purify you through my blood. Let me cleanse you. Let me set it up for you. Let me heal you. And then when I heal you, right, come into the presence and receive healing. Religion says here's what you have to do to get near God, right? Christianity says here's what God did to get near you. Are you with me? That was really good, but no one said anything, so I don't know if you're with me. Religion says here's what you got to do to get to God, right? But Jesus says here's what I've done to get to you. Are you with me? Amen? All right, good. I'm going to have Gianna just crank down this AC to we're preaching. Because <laughs> it's going to get hotter. There's more coming. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I love this is while they were laying around, as they were laying around this place for purification, just looking at the temple, knowing I I can't get there. I can't go to there. I can't get in the presence of God. I can't be near him. I'm too broken. I got too much inside of me. I got too much outside of me. When they see me, they're going to kick me right out because they know that I'm so broken. While they were laying around thinking that, seeing that, while they were still seeking purification, Jesus came. While you're still seeking the answers, Jesus has already come. I love Romans 5, 6 through 8. If you want to read a portion of scripture, it will change your life and you've never opened Romans. Open Romans to, to chapter 5, you'll love it. It says this, you see, at just the right time, while we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. Hear this verse, underline it if you got your Bible there. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still waiting around the pool to feel clean, to feel pure, while we didn't know the answers, while we were still enemies, while we were still living in darkness, all of these things, while we were still confused and hurt, in all of these places, Christ died for us. He didn't say, get pure, then I'll die for you. Prove to me that you're worth dying for, then I'll die for. He said, no, you now have worth because I died for you. You now have worth because I went to the cross for you. And oftentimes, can I tell you, church, we hang at the back of the pool and we wait because we just think we're not pure enough to have an encounter with God. And we look up at the temple mount and we look at the people worshiping there and we think, man, someday I wish I could be like them. I wish I could be pure. Can I tell you this morning, Jesus came to have an encounter with you, not just your neighbor, with you, with you this morning, not later, right now. So Jesus comes into Jerusalem. I think about this all the time when I'm reading scripture because I think sometimes we think Jesus lived in in a vacuum for 30 years and then randomly like exploded onto the scene like he was up in the hill country doomsday prepping and then showed up out of nowhere. But Jesus would have been, let me pose this to you, Jesus would have been to Jerusalem before. He would have gone by Bethesda. He would have seen the people there waiting. And history actually tells us, and and there's documents that tell us that this kind of stirring and this gathering happened during the life of Jesus Christ. We have no record of it happening before, only in the life of Jesus Christ. And so I think it's interesting that, that we're told an angel, of the Lord, comes out and stirs the water. And often in the Old Testament, Jesus is referred to as the angel of the Lord. He's the messenger. He's bringing messages as an angel of the Lord. He's, he's not a, he's like the angel of the Lord, right? And so I think it's interesting that in the time, because Jesus was, was um, he was Jewish, and he would have come in for Passover. He would have to come by Bethesda. And when he came by Bethesda, the waters began to stir, There's something that's true about the presence of God that was true then that's true now is when the presence of God comes in that things start to stir things start to change, things start to shift, people start getting healed. And so sometimes they attach it to other things because we don't know, but can I tell you when the presence of God comes in, things start to stir. And so Jesus had been coming for 30 years into Jerusalem for the feast to celebrate and to celebrate what's happening. And as he walked by Bethesda, the water began to stir and so people thought it was the water. But I believe, again, (laughs) I believe that there was something about Jesus being there that stirred it up because Jesus is a healer. And it says, in these seasons, the waters were troubled. They were stirred up. I believe this morning in this church, Jesus has come in. And we were praying this morning. I just feel the presence of God in this place, in this church. I believe the Lord is here with you. He's here with us. I think something's starting to stir where you're beginning to have faith and to hope again that there could be healing inside your heart. That there could be healing in your body. There could be healing in your relationships. There could be healing what, from what somebody did to you. And you're not even sure what that feeling is because it's just begin to get a little troubled. And so you feel uncomfortable so you're going to find an excuse to get up and go to the bathroom and to shake it away because it feels troubled. But can I tell you, stick it out. Because the presence of God is here and something is stirring in your life because Jesus wants to encounter with you. Amen. And so he comes in and it begins to stir, and Jesus was all about seeking and saving the lost. And it says in John 5, verse 6, it says, when Jesus saw him laying there, saw the lame man lying there, and knew that he had already been there a long time, he said to him, do you want to be healed? If you have your Bible, I, I love to underline words, it, it reminds me of things in seasons. If you have your Bible, I'm going to encourage you, underline two words, saw and knew. There's two important words there, saw and knew, is that Jesus saw him and he knew his pain. Jesus saw him right, he's another number, he's another lame person, he's another in the crowd to everyone else, but Jesus, the almighty God, creator of the universe, favorite creation, he saw him, which is the, one of the most important things about Jesus Christ, we were singing about this on the car on the way to, way to church with my daughter, hear me say this morning, you are not alone, hear me say that this morning, you are not alone, you might feel lonely, but you are not alone, Because Jesus sees you. And not only does he see you, he knows you. See, we like to say, yeah, God is all-knowing. But yeah, but we forget that God is not only all-knowing, but he knows me. And we like to say, God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. And that's true. He's everywhere, but he's also everywhere with you. It's that God sees you. And knows you. He sees your years. He sees your hurt. He sees the things you've been going through. And I think Jesus had come to the temple, and it says the man had been sick for 38 years, which means it's likely that if Jesus had passed Bethesda, if he had passed the house of mercy, he would have seen this man, and he would have known his hurt and his pain. He would have known what he was going through, Because Jesus is God, and so he knows, he knew this person, he knew the hurt and pain, and though the person, this lame man might have felt totally alone and forgotten for years, Jesus reminded him, you're not alone. And this morning, some of you you came in here, and Jesus wants to remind you that you are not alone that you are not alone. That you are not alone in your suffering. That you are not alone in your family. That you are not alone in your work. That you are not alone in your health struggles. That you are not alone in your financial issues. That you are not alone in your singleness. That you are not alone even in your divorce. That you are not alone. Amen. And so if you came in here feeling lonely, as a church, we want to tell you that you are not alone. Amen. And We have all felt that. Jesus is with us. And I hope you know this morning that Jesus' heart breaks for your broken heart. It breaks for it. He is not ambivalent to, to you. He's not like, oh, yeah, whatever. And then occasionally shows up to work a miracle. His heart breaks for you. He loves you. He cares for you. He wants to release you. He wants to free you. He wants to change you. He wants you walking, not trapped by the pool. He wants you running. He wants you testifying. Jesus is here for you. Nobody is rooting harder for you this morning than Jesus Christ. Amen. And he asks him this question. He doesn't give him all the answers of the universe. He doesn't lay everything before his feet. There's not deep exegesis or expository sermons. He asks him a question which kind of seems a little mean on the surface, but go with me here. He says, do you want to be healed? What a question, Jesus. Right? That's like walking into a restaurant and saying, are you hungry? But if you've been in a restaurant long enough, eventually you just move from hungry to angry. And I think the same thing happens with healing. Because if you've been sick long enough, it, it begins to stir in you and you begin to think things like, "Is this, this is just my thing. Is, is this the thorn in the flesh? I'm trying to decide how to decipher Paul's thing. What does this look like for me? And so we asked him, do you want to be healed? So if we were writing, uh, writing this ourselves, we would say our first word after this would be, yes, dot, dot, dot. Super yes, but he doesn't reply with that at all. Note, if Jesus tells you, do you want to be healed, say yes. Um, <laughs> but, but he doesn't say that. Here's what he says in verse 7, John chapter 5, verse 7. This is what we read. He says, the sick man answered him, sir, I have no one to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. And while I'm going, another steps down before me. Jesus says, Do you want to get healed? And the man tells him his experience. And the man says, if I could just have this experience that I've seen other people have in this way that they've experienced it, then I'll be healed. Jesus didn't ask him, do you want to get in the water? He asked, do you want to be healed? But the man was so trapped in the method that he was going to miss the miracle unless he got it together, right? Right? He was so focused on the method that he was going to miss the miracle. God, I need you to do this, this way in my life. If I do this, then God will heal me. If I do this, then God will free me. I need to get into the pool. The water has power. So if I can get into the water, I can be healed. And and I know sometimes we're hard on, on biblical people because we forget that they're people. And I don't think he was making excuses. I just think he was looking for help. Right? I think he was looking for help. Have you ever been helpless? If someone comes over and shows some interest in you, you're like, yes, please help me. Help me out. I think he was looking for help. And I want us to imagine something. Would you do this with me? Would, could we imagine together? Just kind of get yourself in this space. If you've been chronically uh, ill for a while, that you're already you can get there much quicker. If you've been healthy, you should just praise the Lord every day. Uh, and it's going to take you a second, but ju- just get there in your mind in this moment because I think it's important. Is I want you to imagine waiting for thirty-eight years, Thir- not three and eight, thirty-eight years. Some of you aren't. There, I'm not 38 years old. 38 years, he's waiting, and so I want us to picture this together. Is that he started? I'm going to guess probably close to the water, and this is me just trying to get us in the mode. So if you need to close your eyes to see it, close your eyes to see it. But if this is the water, he started close to the water. I think. I think he started close. And his friends would bring him every day. You know, he'd get to church and he was believing, you know, for some, some kind of stir up in his life. And so his friends would carry them. It was inconvenient for them to drive all the way out there and pick him up. But they brought him, you know, they brought you every day. So every day you come and you're kind of at the edge near the water and, and you're there and you're waiting. And so year one happens and you think, okay, this is going to be my year. It's going to stir up. I'm close. They got me close. I just got to roll in. Right? That's all I got to do. I'm just going to lay right in and I'll be healed. And so the water begins to stir and as the water begins to stir all of a sudden Dave over here on the edge just dips his toe in and and he beats you. So you're like dang it. Dang it. You don't even know if he got healed. He's all the way across. You can't ask him. You can't walk. So you're here and you're stuck. And so as your friends come back and say, hey, man, did you get healed? And they can see by the fact you're still on your bed that you didn't get healed. You're still in the same spot. They're like, okay. So every time they keep bringing you back, and your family keeps bringing you back, but eventually they stop putting you in the front because if it was going to happen, it would have happened. Right? Come, come on, just imagine with me because we have to get really in the mind of what God's doing is that your family used to carry you, they used to bring you, your friends used to bring you up, but now it's been 37 years, your friends aren't bringing you up. Right, You're lucky if they're bringing you at all. You don't sit in the front anymore. So you're just tired of seeing the stirring and seeing other people's lives change and seeing things happen, but you don't get anything. And so you kind of slowly start moving your way back. Because your family starts asking questions. All right, have you tried this? Have you, have you tried this? Have, have, you ever done, have you ever thought of this? Like you just sit around lame, not thinking about ways to get better. Right, like, if people are sick, let them live their life. Like, they've tried stuff. Trust me. Every person who's been chronically sick it's like, yeah, man, I have the internet. <laughs> but for 37 years, to sit there in that space, and eventually it's just kind of like, is it something you did? Then you get the really spiritual person who's telling you, you're laying there by the pool just trying to get well. They're saying, oh, man, maybe, it's some, maybe God's mad at you for something. Maybe you did something. Maybe you committed some sin. Maybe you got some shame. Let's go to a deliverance service, get you delivered from this, and then, you know. Now, I, I do believe that happens when God delivers you from things that can spiritually affect your physicality. But follow me in the picture of the man here. Is it here is he's laying, and he moves farther back. The next year, no one carries him, so he moves a little farther back, right? And once you get far enough back, then you're too far from the miracle of the water. And so now you're way back here. And you're thinking, I can't walk, I can't crawl, none of my friends are here, and I just want to get to the water. I want to get to the miracle. But eventually you're so far back, you're all the way back here, that there's no way. So every year now, you watch the water stir. Every service now, you watch the water stir up. And what you see is the person who's been here for one flippin' week get in the water. And you've been waiting for 38 years And so you begin to ask questions out of desperation or anger. Trust me, your feelings do not surprise God. And you begin to ask questions. And you begin to pray for that moment. It's like, is anyone going to help me? Maybe this is just who I am. Maybe I'm a back of the pool person. And I'm just here to encourage others. I, I don't know what that is. But you begin to rationalize and question in different things. And you begin to ask these things because you're in the back. You're way back here. You're laying down. And you're just like, there's no way I'm getting to the water. I'm not important enough. I missed my chance. I missed my opportunity. I must have done something. I think if you're that man, I mean, just picture yourself, bring you to that space of laying in the bed. If you've got to close your eyes, do it again. Lay in that bed and you're far from the water and you want to get near to the pool, but you can't. There's no way you can get there. What are you asking God in that moment? Probably like, God, do you see me? God, do you remember me? Has anyone ever been felt far from the pool and asked God, God, do you remember me? Yeah. God, do you see me? God, have I done, have I done something that like, would keep me? Why is this in my life? Maybe somebody did something to you that crippled you emotionally, not just physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally. You say, God, what? Do you see me? Do you remember me? Do you hear me? God, everyone has left, but you're, everyone has abandoned me. Are you still here? That's the cry of David, right? God, I'm in a cave. Everyone's gone or they want to kill me. Are you still here? Because if you tell me today that you're still here, I'll have some faith and I can make it. But I need to know that you're here. And so I want you to imagine that you're in this place far from the pool and then once again, after years and years in, in of being there, maybe maybe upwards of 30 years, depending on when he got there, the waters begin to stir, but here you are and you have resigned yourself to be far from the miracle. Because there is no physical way you're getting there. There's no way you're getting in the water. And the angel begins to st- or the water begins to stir because the angel's here. So people start getting excited. They're like, oh, my gosh, the angel's here. Something's stirring. Something's happening. Something's moving. Something's about to happen. Guys, we got to get ready. We got to get in the water. We gotta-. So you kind of prop yourself up, right? You get yourself back to church. You haven't been there a little while. So you get yourself propped up. You get back there. You're like, okay, something's stirring. Something's happening. Something's moving. But you're still in the back. And you know that eventually I might as well just sit back down because somebody else is getting in the water. I don't got the strength. I don't got the friends. I don't got the energy. I don't got the faith anymore. And you begin to say words like, God, I got to get in that water. That is the moment and the headspace. If that sounds exhausting because you know it or because you can now get there mentally, let me tell you that is an exhausting place to be emotionally, physically, mentally, spiritually, to be feel like you're far from the answers, to feel like you're far from the healing, to feel like you might be forgotten. And so what Jesus shows us in this moment is that all of a sudden, imagine you're in that space, and you're laying there, and you're far from the water, and a man walks in and asks you the dumbest question he could ask you in this moment, because you don't realize how powerful it is, is he says, do you want to be healed? You're Like, no man, I'm just laying here because I like the view. I just like to celebrate with other people and testify with them. (laughs) I'm just an encourager. He says, do you want to be healed? And he said, there's no way I can get to the water, but you look like you have one, two, three, upwards of 12 guys with you. And I bet that they could help me go from here into the water. And so you start thinking, if you're smart, hey man, like let's get all 12 of these guys except for Judas, he looks a little sketchy, and just help me up into this pool before everyone else. Six of y'all work as bodyguards, six of you will carry me, we'll get this thing done. Right, you begin to think of solutions for the Lord, right, and he begins to think, and this tiniest bit of faith I think begins to build up when he asks this question. Because let me tell you, when Jesus comes near to you, even if you were emptied of everything, I believe that his presence begins to stir up just a seed of faith. Right? With a seed of faith. It's a a mustard seed. One of the greatest, largest, biggest trees can grow out of something tiny. And God often doesn't plant a mustard seed tree. He just plants that little seed with his presence in your heart. And it begins to stir up. And he says, okay, if only I could get into that water. And this is My favorite thing is that here's what Jesus is saying to him. I am the water. See, the man waited for for religion, for steps, for process, for things to get into the water. And he felt distant and forgotten and alone. But all of a sudden, the water came and walked up to him. And he said to him, the water came and said, do you want to be healed? See, Jesus is the living water. If you go back uh, in your Bibles to John chapter 4 verse 9. I want to read this to you real quick. This is an encounter of Jesus and the woman of Samaria. And he says this to the woman. He says, or the Samaritan woman says this to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? For Jews have no dealings with the Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that's saying to you, Give me a drink, then you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did his sons and livestock? And here's Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks from this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become will become in him a spring of water welling up for eternal life. Hear me this morning, Jesus is the living water that heals. Let me tell you a foundational truth about Jesus, Christianity and Banner Church. Jesus is a healer. And I will stand on that till the day I die, and I will pray with you to the day I'm gone that God heals you because I believe it. It's in the word so I believe it and I've seen it. And so I stand upon it. I stand upon it, that Jesus is the living water that heals. See, the man wanted to be deposited into the water. But let me tell you this morning, Jesus came to deposit the living water inside of you. Right? Jesus came to say, you don't got to do these steps and this process and wait around and you might just get lucky to get some living water. Jesus came to say, I am the living water. And you said, okay, what's the criteria for getting the living water? And he said, everyone gets it. That's the criteria. All who call on the name of the Lord will be saved, right? Jesus says, this is the living water. So living water gives eternal life, but he doesn't just leave it there. He gives him healing because Jesus is not only the living water. The living water is a healer. Are you with me? Jesus heals. Jesus heals. I wish I could say that 8,000 times. And those of you who have been like the man 30 years away would just hear it and be encouraged that Jesus heals. You're not forgotten that Jesus is the living water that heals you. See, he waited for years, but one encounter with the living water, with Jesus Christ, changed everything. Heals you emotionally, can heal you spiritually, heal you physically, heal you psychologically, heal you relationally. One encounter with Jesus Christ can change everything. And it's as true today as it was back then that Jesus came to heal. The sick. So if you feel sick, it's not an excuse to stay home. I mean, don't get other people with a cold. (laughs) But Jesus came to heal you this morning. Did you know that? Jesus came to heal you. I love what he says in in John 5, 8. He tells him this. Jesus said to him, he's he's just so straightforward. I love it. Get up. Take up your bed and walk, which, I mean, again, he has not laid hands on him. He has not brought him into the church. He's not spoken a sermon. The guy says, I need to get in the water. Things are stirring up, and immediately Jesus' response is, get up, which sounds kind of (laughs) mean to tell somebody who can't walk to get up. That's hard. But can I tell you, why did he get up? It says that he got up, took his bed, and walked. Why did he get up? Because his faith was built. Because when you encounter Jesus, you know it's true. When you encounter his presence, you know it's real. And you know it's fake. You know what is fake and what is real when you meet what is real and who is real. Can I tell you, the presence of God is real. And when you meet him, can I tell you, you don't have to have some deep deposit bank account of faith. You just got to encounter him and he will stir it up. He will plant the seed. He will lift it up. And then all of a sudden when moments ago you thought, I, there's no way I could get up and walk, all of a sudden you're standing up. That's otherworldly. Because God doesn't just do a miracle in your body, he does a miracle in your heart. And it begins to stir up faith. And when you encounter him, when you come before him, and you come down to the altar, you're like, I have no faith. Nothing's going to happen. Here I am at the pool again. And you, and you fall on your knees before Jesus, and you encounter him. Not only as you pray, do we believe that he can heal you, but also that he heals your heart. And he stirs it up in your life. And I love that he tells him to pick up his bed. He says, hey, don't leave this here like you're coming back. Right, like, don't, don't leave that here. He says, yeah, but like, uh, this is my thing, right? Isn't it, if you're in somewhere long enough, it becomes your identity. It doesn't matter what it is. And the bed was something that was laid out for comfort, and often we can just become comfortable in our space because it hurts too bad to push again for faith to be healed. And so Jesus said, hey, pick this up. Because I don't want you coming back here. I want you to walk in the faith of what I've done for you. He didn't say test it. Or he didn't say maybe leave it here just in case you get 80%. He said pick it up and take it with you. Right? Because it's not your identity, but it is your testimony. Right? Your brokenness, I'm not saying ignore it. I'm not saying hide it. I'm not saying put it away. I'm not saying for, I'm saying it was your identity, but now it's your testimony. That's so important. If, you, if God frees you from addiction, it is not your identity anymore, but it is your testimony. And so when you look back on it, for some reason, we believe Jesus heals us from everything but shame. And when we look back on it, we feel ashamed. And yet Jesus heals you of the shame. He heals you of the hurt. He heals you of the brokenness. So he says, pick it up. Bring it with you. So when someone asks, you're carrying it. You're like, hey, you know what? Like, I, I used to be the guy that laid there, but I'm not going back. In fact, hey, man, you can have my spot. In fact, not only have my spot, you should meet this guy. Like, you should meet him. Because he's kind of a big deal. And everywhere Jesus went, when he healed somebody, guess what happened? <laughs> just crowded him and he was healing people it says Jesus did so many miracles we can't even record it and and when he did miracles he didn't say and now go back and lay at the pool he said get up take up your bed and testify testify tell people he didn't say like get up and then go to Hebrew school and memorize the Old Testament he said get up and walk And when the man was walking and where God released him and freed him with honestly no more. He didn't even know it was Jesus. No more answers than he started with when God released him and healed him. And he no longer had this identity as a lame man, but now a testimony as a healed man. God changed and transformed lives through him. It's the power of God in your life. You don't have to have a greater degree, just a greater willingness to testify. And I love that moment. And you can continue to read if you want, but for time, I'm just gonna sum it up. That the man goes to shares, like, who did this? You can't carry your mat and walk. And he was like, Well, the funny thing about that is, is the guy who healed me said, Yeah, I've been listening to him for about 15 minutes. So far, things are going a little better for me. So <laughs> I'm gonna keep listening to Jesus. Now he didn't know it was Jesus till later Jesus found him and said, Hey man, it's not just about your body, it's about your soul. Because Jesus is first and foremost concerned with our heart. There are people that encounter Christ. And it's not just about your physical self. It's about your spiritual self. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He's a healer. But he doesn't just heal you for now. He heals you for eternity. That's his goal, to spend eternity with you. There are things you will suffer in the world... But God says, take heart for I have overcome the world, meaning you will spend eternity with me, with me forever. And so I came to meet you because you were trying to do it by religion so that you could get purified, so that you could eventually get in the water, get purified, go into the temple and encounter me. But you know what? I'm just going to skip all that. I'm going to come straight to you so that you can spend in eternity with me. So hear me this morning. I believe that Jesus is here and his presence is stirring up waters and he's trying to stir up his church and he's trying to come and encounter us this morning with his presence and with his goodness and he's asking do you want to be healed but he's not just asking for now he's asking for eternity someone hurts you and so you feel distant and alone and isolated and Jesus came to bring you hope and life he came to lead you through forgiveness and fresh starts and new beginnings so you got something in your body that is making you down, something in your soul, something in your past. And Jesus said, I, I, I've come to heal you, to encounter you, but also to free you and release you this morning. I'm going to invite the band up. I love, man, I, I love Jesus Christ. Can I be honest? This just doesn't do it for me without him. Because Jesus is a healer. He's not some neat painting. He's not an abstract idea. He's not a distant, ambivalent God. He's right there in the mud and the dirt with the sick people, with the healthy people, with the rich people, and the poor people. And you know why he was? Because he wanted to look you in the eye and encounter you and tell you about his love and to meet you. So all throughout his ministry, he healed And I believe that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I believe that he still heals. And I believe that he's given us the spirit. Holy Spirit heals and changes lives and transforms. But this morning as the Lord is stirring in this place and stirring in your heart, he's asking you, do you want to be healed? Because he's come to meet you as the water. Would you stand with me this morning? Here's what I want to do this morning because I, I want to give opportunity to pray for you because I believe that Jesus is going to heal some people this morning. And here's why I, I believe that because we've been praying for you, we've been believing for you, we've been interceding with the Holy Spirit. And we just believe this morning that God's going to heal some people. Can I tell you, church, we have to believe that? Because that's, that's what we're founded on. It's the Holy Spirit, it's Jesus Christ. It's the power of our Lord. And so this morning, if you're like that person, the layman, and you feel distant, and you feel far, and you feel hurt, and your question is, what do I got to do to get in the water? Let me tell you the answer. The water has come to you. You know what you have to do to get in the water? Absolutely nothing. The water has come to deposit inside of you and to give you new life. So there's two things this morning. I want to invite you. Actually, I'm not going to bite you. You know what? I, I've changed my opinion on this. Now, this will take up some of my time, but I've changed my opinion. We used to do this thing where if you accepted Christ, you bowed your head and closed your eyes, which felt weird for me, like you were hiding. But let me tell you this morning, if you came in, there was no shame in this church. Amen? Amen. I just want to do this. Raise your hand if at one time you were far from God and you chose to follow him and give your life to him. Amen. Amen. So one time we all made that decision to lift our hand and say, God, I choose to follow you with my life. And so this morning, I'm going to invite you to be bold this morning, and I'm going give to give one call here before we go. And if that's you, and this morning you're saying, you know what, I felt far from God, I felt distant from him. everyone's facing forward, they can't see you anyways. <laughs> but I'm not going to have you close your eyes because I want to celebrate with you. We're going to pray together. It's if, I, we're going to pray, and then I'll invite you but if you're saying this morning, God, I want to be near you, I want to be with you, I need that living water inside of me. God, maybe I felt forgotten, or maybe I felt distant, or maybe I, I've been so hurt in the past, but this morning, I want new life, I want new beginnings, I want fresh starts, and I want, I want something new in my life. Maybe for the first time, you're just saying you're going to recommit your heart. If that's you, I just want you to lift your hand this morning. Just lift it up and put it down. Amen. Amen. Can we celebrate that this morning? Amen. 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 Hey, if you're one of those people that lifted your hand after this, I'm going to invite you to just come meet me at the welcome table. And I want to share just a little information with you to really begin that journey. Because it starts now and it only gets better. Would you do this with me? Would you bow your hand and close your eyes? We're going to pray for that together. I'm going to invite you, everyone, even raise your hand or dinner, raise your hand. It builds faith to pray together. Would you pray with me? Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for sending your son to die for me, to be resurrected. I lay down my life. Cleanse me of all my sin. I choose today to follow you in your name, amen, amen. Hey, I want to do this this morning. Not only eternally receiving the new living water, but also I, I'm going to invite you this morning, if you're believing for healing in your life, in your body, in your mind, in your heart, whatever it might be. Maybe it's emotionally, maybe you've been hurt. I'm going to give an opportunity here where you're to open up the altar. And this space to take a step of faith, just like a little mustard seed of faith, especially if you're an introvert, just like a maybe slightly bigger than a little mustard seed of faith, and just to come forward in just a moment, and we're going to pray over you that you would receive healing, and our prayer team will be here. So in just a second, I'm going to invite you to make your way. If you want healing in your body and your mind. Or whatever it might be, I'm not going to limit you. I'm just going to invite you to make a step today. And here's what I can promise. You can only do the best you can with right now, not when you get out the door. Right now is when you can do the best you can with what you got. And right now, I believe that Jesus is saying to some of you, whether you're at your seat or at the altar, but I believe he's saying to some of you, do you want to be healed? Do you want to be healed? I came to encounter you with healing. So I'm going to invite you. One, if you believe you're desiring to be healed. Two, if you're seeking any kind of healing for experience in your heart or your mind. And then three, just come forward this morning if you want to receive healing. Just come right up front. I'm going to open it up. up our, our prayer team, you guys can kind of be around them, kind of join with them, lay hands on them, and uh, I'm gonna pray for you. And then our worship team is gonna gonna worship. And as we do, here's here's all I'm saying: is just lay it down before the Lord. Just pray, God. Would you would you heal this inside of me? Do you want to be healed? Yes, I do, God. I I believe in your healing power, and I want to be healed. And then this morning, if you're not up here, your job is is to intercede with those on their behalf so that we might have a church that's built on the faith of believing and healing and standing together. So we're co-saints and ministers together this morning. So whether you are at your seat or at another place, I'm going to invite you. You can stretch out your hands. You can lift up your prayers and just begin to pray over everyone up here that they might be healed this morning. Because even if you're not seeking healing, I guarantee you, you'd love to leave seeing God heal some lives this morning. So we're going to pray together and then I'm just going to release you and we're going to enter into a moment of worship. Lord God, see these hands, see these people right now. And God, all across this room, every person here, God, we call upon the name of Jesus and we say right now in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk in the bodies. God, we speak, I speak to spines this morning. God, I speak right to spines in people's back. God, whoever that is, God, I pray right now by the power of Jesus Christ. defeated death, hell, and the grave. I pray that you would heal that right now. I speak to those spines and I pray that they would be straightened and brought into alignment and where there are things missing and where there's damage, God. We pray that there would be wholeness and connection. God, I speak right now to minds. God, that is wrestling through depression and isolation and guilt and shame. God, I speak to that mind. God, and we speak to those places in the heart and to the mind and to the synapses and to the chemicals. And we pray that they would come into alignment with you in the name of the Lord. God, we speak to the eyes. God, we speak to the ears. God, we pray that where there uh, there is blindness or hurt in our eyes, we pray there would be healing where there is deafness or hurt in the ears, I pray right now, there would be hearing in the name of Jesus. And God, we know that you're faithful, so we lift it up to you in the name of Jesus. We lift it up to you.